Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oslo NBA Strategy Show. I'm Dave Lochran. With me, as always, as he is every Thursday, with a fresh new haircut, looking good, Greg Ehrenberg, single game, showdown slate, breaking it all down, LA Lakers, Houston Rockets, heading into game four, Greg. It's been an interesting series thus far, and uh, unlike most of these games recently, we actually have some news, we actually have some changes Um, some of which just carries over from game three in Daniel House, but uh, actually a kind of interesting showdown slate. So looking forward to jump into it with you. Yeah, it's it's also kind of interesting because with, I mean, we assume that Daniel House isn't going to play now just with the news around him, is that opens up kind of a decent amount of value. And then obviously we have the four guys to pay up for. So I'm kind of playing around right now with the builds and see like, is there a way to make some goofy lineup where you just go two really cheap players and fit in the four all-stars in this game in a showdown lineup, which I think could end up being a viable strategy. I think house is listed as out already. He is listed as out, except there's an investigation going on. And I mean, who knows? He insists that he's innocent, but who knows? It's a weird situation. I, I mean, one thing I'll say about this is let's say that he didn't bring anybody into the bubble. Right. And he's totally innocent. If that's the case, like how did the NBA even get this information? Right. So that's that's why I think that there has to be something to it. It's just this didn't just generate out of nowhere. He does maintain his innocence. If there's a sabotage operation in place, all I'm saying is I would probably try and lay blame on somebody like James Harden instead of Daniel Daniel House. Right. Like if I'm if I'm on the Lakers and I'm coming in to sabotage the Houston Rockets, I'm not like boys. If we can get Daniel House out of this series, we've got it wrapped up. I'd much rather go for the big guns, you know? Conspiracy theory here. We're just throwing out a crazy theory. What if it was Harden and House is taking the bullet? Ah, so Harden gets the team together and says, fellas, we can't win with this Daniel guy, and we got to get him out of the bubble. That's possible. No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying that it was. Oh no, Harden. that's what I'm saying, Greg. Oh, okay. Well, that, I'm saying, but what if, what if it was like Harden snuck a girl in, right, and she gets caught at the gate, and and they're trying to figure out, like, all right, who is she here to visit? And everybody just goes, it was Daniel House. Everybody, everybody on the rock is just points at House. It's a very interesting concept. But see, again, if we were to take that a step further, the the move there would be like, listen, Ben, you're. You're you got to take the heat for us. This is this is on you. Too obvious. 
Right. Yeah. House House is getting way too many. Uh, uh, House is getting a lot of minutes. I don't know. Is Chris Clemens still in the bubble watching from the sidelines? Chris, just say it was your girl. You know, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll hook you up. We got you taken care of. I don't know. But uh, it is a it is a, a weird situation that it would happen this deep into the postseason. Um, House. It's not like House. I don't want to I don't want to say he's, he's an integral player but he does play a pretty significant role on a team that has a very short bench. Let's just dive into it. We can start with the Houston Rockets last game, Greg, by the way, happy to have everyone with us. If you're walking in the door right now, hit that thumbs up or smash that like button. It helps us out greatly. It's the easiest way to help support us here. So we can keep doing free content right here on YouTube uh, and at awesome.com. Last, last game, Dan, Tony ran a very, compressed rotation which should have been the case uh, of the 240 available minutes throughout the five positions 219 of those minutes went to six players so it was very 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 small uh, and that's the way it should be there's no reason that you would expect it to be expanded but what we did see is Jeff Green play 35 plus minutes in this game whereas all five all six of those aforementioned players that, that took up that 219 minutes. They all played 35 plus minutes. And then you got 10 minutes, 10 and a half minutes from Austin Rivers and 10 minutes from Ben McLemore. That was it. That was all we got. So if Daniel House is out again, I would expect to see something similar uh, and somebody like Jeff Green benefit. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, the 35 minutes for Jeff Green, only 4,600 in showdown on DraftKings. So he makes for a pretty obvious value play. Uh, you mentioned Ben McLemore, even though he only played 10 minutes. I mean, he's min price. He's only a thousand. He's only a thousand. So if there's a situation where you get a couple of buckets from Ben McLemore, that could provide some value just because we have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, James Harden, Russell Westbrook all on this slate. And it, it's not ridiculous to think all four of them have big games. And if that's the case, then maybe the optimal lineup ends up being some, you know, weird lineup with like McLemore as the captain and then those four guys in it. Do you think that's possible? McLemore is captain. Uh, I don't think it's likely, except there's. I mean, it's a one-game slate, right? If you're trying to make some, if you're trying to make some weird lineup, um, I'm trying to figure out what the salary would be on that. But I mean, if it, it's a one-game slate, so anything goes. But let's say that all four of those players—LeBron, Anthony Davis, James Harden, Russell, and Russell Westbrook—all score 60 fantasy points. Not necessarily likely, but not a crazy, uh, crazy scenario either. If that's the case, then there just isn't that much production to go around to the other players. And if that's the case, then all four of them maybe end up in the optimal lineup. And if that's the case, then maybe you do get a situation where there's some, you know, weird guys, a captain. You're going to have to do something different if you want to separate yourself. The, the very likely situation here, Greg, is just that, you know, 500 people split first place tonight. <laughs> yeah, that, that, or, that or Alex has some weird lineup that wins solo and leaves a bunch of salary on the table. Also, also a, a legitimate likelihood. Um, starting with, with James Harden, though, and, and, and Russell Westbrook. Westbrook turned it around last game. They still caught the loss on this one. And I, I, I want to get into the Lakers' defense later in this show once we get over to – well, you know what? We can talk about it now. Screw it. The, the Lakers' defense in back-to-back -back games has clamped down in the fourth quarter. Their first-half defense has looked entirely different than it did in the second half, particularly the fourth quarter. They allowed no entry to the basket into the paint for Houston. They blocked off all of the, the, the one thing Houston does phenomenally when they move the ball around the perimeter, they will fake the shot 
They will get the they will get the uh, defender to bite, and then if they don't bite enough, they'll whip it back around, and they'll just keep the defense off balance, off balance, and, and disoriented. That's what we saw a ton of. The Lakers settled that down and essentially just created a force field around the three point line in the fourth quarter, and completely took everything away from Houston. They wouldn't let them penetrate, but they wouldn't let them get the ball. They wouldn't let them move the ball around the perimeter throughout the duration of that fourth quarter. I don't know why it is that in two straight games, they basically only did that to close it out, Greg, but that is a lot of what we saw. And it could cause more problems for Houston if they don't figure a way to solve this. Yeah, I mean, the other thing too is there was a bunch of uh, possessions where like AD got switched on to Russell Westbrook and Westbrook could not get a shot over Anthony Davis at all. So it's really helpful when you have a big man that's that switchable like that who is pretty much able to guard anybody on the Rockets offense, save for James Harden, but nobody could really guard him anyway, except for maybe Lou Dort. Uh, but but beyond that, uh, I, I mean, it, it's super helpful to have a guy like Anthony Davis anchoring the defense. Yeah, it's, it, it made life very difficult for them. Nevertheless, Westbrook still shot 13 for 24. Uh, he was 50% from three-point range. They were leaving him wide open. Again, they'll take that chance all day long. But it was a, it was a solid enough game from Westbrook. James Harden, on the other hand, with 33 points, 50, 59 fantasy points. In game three, or sorry, in game two, Harden had like three points over the final 14 minutes of the game, maybe five points. It was a really, really quiet remainder of the game for him from the end of the third quarter all the way through the uh, remainder of the game. Uh, you, you would have only 12, 12 uh, field goal attempts. He did get to the line at uh, 13 times, but still, they, they've got to figure something out with Harden and Westbrook. P.J. Tucker played a ton of minutes, 38 minutes, and had eight fantasy points, three points, four rebounds. That's all he had to his name. You're just not going to get a ton of production from these peripheral guys. Robert Covington will have his games at times, but unless he's wide open for a spot-up three-pointer, he's not going to be generating his own shots. And then just to set the table for you here, Greg, uh, Eric Gordon had a miserable game. First of all, Trying to defend LeBron James around the basket is just a recipe for disaster. LeBron James ate him alive every time Eric Gordon was guarding him, which was more than it should have been. But all in all, he had some awful opportunities. Uh, He could not convert on easy open three-pointers and ended up two for nine across 36 minutes. So outside of Harden and Westbrook, this, the rest of this team was super, super quiet. You're going to need more from these two big guns today if they plan on getting a win and tying this series up at two. It's funny, you mentioned Eric Gordon. He's been ridiculously consistent from a fantasy standpoint until last game. Uh, He actually, he had in between 27 and 32 DraftKings points in every single playoff game until last game, which I don't even know how it's possible. He ended up on almost the same number every single game. Uh, So I would expect a little bit of a bounce back. Now, with that said, we have to expect there's just going to be less usage for him now that Russell Westbrook is back at full strength and appears to not be terrible at the moment. Uh, so I, just the fact that we have Russell Westbrook out there when he was limited earlier in the playoffs, uh, both by minutes and then wasn't necessarily hundred percent. So his usage was a little bit down. There was more for Gordon to do in the game. So last game, a 16% usage rating, that's his lowest of the playoffs. As long as Westbrook's out there full go, there's, there's going to be less shots and less touches for Gordon. Yeah. Gordon, as we know, is. it's not fair to say the guy is useless when Westbrook and Harden are both at full strength. And and you just pointed out that he's been remarkably consistent, which is funny because he wasn't that way in the regular season. 
But all in all, when these two guys are on the floor, if they're both playing 35 plus minutes, my guess is you get 40 minutes from Westbrook and Harden today. I wouldn't be at all surprised. They got to even this up. They can't go down 3-1 in the series. Um, late in games, they've been absolutely decimated. If that's the case, Eric Gordon is, is really going to have a tough time unless the Lakers sell out to stop James Harden and he just gets more open looks, which is possible. But let's spend some time on Harden first. He's 18-6 in the captain spot. In the utility, he's 12-4. Second most expensive player behind only LeBron James. How are we approaching James Harden today on a roster or from a roster construction standpoint? Yeah, I mean, on one game slate, he's a pretty obvious pay-up option. But I think the question becomes, is he the guy that I want to captain? And I prefer LeBron James and Anthony Davis just because if we look at Harden's postseason production, it hasn't been the same ceiling that we've seen from him in the regular season or other games in the past. So, so far this, this series, he has 58 DraftKings points, 43-51. And then even the closing games against the Thunder, 42-51-45, we have to go back to before Westbrook was playing that Harden really had a massive ceiling. So I still expect Harden to have a good game from a fantasy standpoint. I just don't know that he necessarily has the, the same ceiling as LeBron James or Anthony Davis in the series. So if you're talking about, uh, if, if you're looking at James Harden and, and what we've gotten out of him as far as usage goes, I believe Westbrook returned on the 29th. Yeah, I think that was it, the 29th of August. Uh, since then, James Harden usage rate, 32.3%. Look, that's pretty much an elite mark. and or that, that, that pretty much indicates 32% and up, 30% and up. This is a guy that's going to get a ton of opportunities. There's no denying that. But Westbrook also has a 32% usage rate. Eric Gordon's at 20%. Uh, and then this should surprise nobody, but it falls off a cliff after that. Jeff Green at 14%. There's nobody else even in the neighborhood of these guys. Um, Russell Westbrook, really ugly game too. You know, there were a lot of people, there were a lot of people talking shit on Westbrook after that. And that's what, that should be expected. You know, the is Russell Westbrook the worst MVP winner ever? And a whole lot of stuff. They just, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't a hu- aren't huge fans of Russ. Uh, I personally love the guy. Do I think he is uh, incredible when it comes to helping a team win good games against good teams? Well, I think we all know the answer to that. But he is still a fantasy stud, Greg. And this is the first game. This is the most minutes he's played in the postseason since returning in late August. I think he probably again see D'Antoni completely t- uh, loosen the reins and, and, and ramp him up to probably 40 minutes here, 38 to 40 minutes. If that's the case, uh, is Westbrook worth a captain spot look, knowing that he's actually a lot cheaper than Westbrook or than, than Harden, David, Harden, Davis, and LeBron James? Uh, yeah, I think it definitely makes sense. And like you said, I mean, the, the upside is still immense from him, even if we don't think he's quite as good of a real-life player as those guys. You know, from a fantasy perspective, he's still ridiculous. And look at his usage in this series. He has a 38.1% usage rating against the against the Lakers. And we've seen at times when Westbrook has the ball, like Harden will just defer to him. Harden will just kind of stand back and let Westbrook do whatever. And Westbrook is, he, he has no problem taking possessions away from Harden because one thing about Westbrook, is he's, he's going to have a r- irrational confidence no matter what. He could have missed eight shots in a row and he's going to think the next one is going to be the one to drop. He's never going to stop shooting. Uh, at 10,000, I think per dollar, you could make a case that he is the best value of those of those four top guys. 
What about Jeff Green? If we spend a little bit more time on him here, again, he played, came off the bench, played a ton of minutes. Uh, and it's one matter of fact, he played in the second quarter alone. He played almost the entire quarter. He was out for about a minute and 10 seconds or so. Um, and then in the second half, just to give you an idea what Dan Tony was doing with him, he played uh, 19 straight minutes to close out that game. So huge minutes from Jeff Green in both half or both half. He was the only bench player of the three that saw the floor to get more than 10 minutes. And while we should not be expecting to see an extraordinary amount of usage from him, that's just a given here because nobody outside of Westbrook and Harden is going to. In this series alone, nobody outside of those guys has a usage rate uh, in the 20s even, let alone in the 30s. Uh, but Jeff Green did get up 11 field goal attempts last game. I expect that if he plays 35 minutes, his rebounding totals should be better than two, uh, even though there's a small offense and, and, and the front court can, can cause some trouble for the Lakers. But I, I still think there will be more rebounding opportunities. And we've seen the Lakers go a little bit smaller too with, with Markeith Morris. So maybe, maybe Jeff Green at this price point makes some sense if he's going to get 35 or more minutes off the bench. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you look in the mid-range, there's only a couple of guys that I really consider to be strong options. One of them, Jeff Green. The other one being Rajon Ronda, who I expect is going to be super popular. Uh, the, the other thing also is the, the production on these teams is so centered around the top players that there's only so many other guys that we think could really have any chance to score decent fantasy points. And Jeff Green's one of them. Uh, I mean, we look at some of the other guys as like, you know, Danny Green's going to play a decent amount of minutes, but he doesn't really do anything while he's on the court. Nice I know you've talked things. about him before that. Yeah. And and also, like you mentioned before, he's not a guy you roster in fantasy all that often because he's a guy who, if he doesn't make his three-pointers, he's not doing anything. And I tend to agree with that. Um, it's hard to totally ignore anybody on a one-game slate, but if you look at those mid-range guys, like I think Jeff Green, who the guy he's closest in price to is Danny Green. Uh, Jeff Green's the much stronger option. Okay. Yeah, in all seriousness, it's like you mentioned Ben McLemore. Maybe I, I would I rather play Ben McLemore or for a thousand or Danny Green for forty eight hundred when there's a very good chance McLemore plays ten minutes and finishes with seven fantasy points, and Danny Green plays twenty five minutes and finishes with twelve. So. Yeah, I mean, still think of it just a points per dollar type thing. He's he's a thousand dollars. He hits two threes and he's seven x his salary. Right. So there's we still have to take some sort of value into consideration. And when there are guys that we really want to pay up for, like Ben McLemore is almost free. It just kind of makes sense. And he doesn't have to do all that much to be worthwhile. Yeah. If you just not to not to game log hunt here, but but just consider for a moment, Danny Green has like 120 DraftKing point game in the past feels like past year. Uh, let's see. His, okay. So since the 10th, since the 10th of August, so three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, over his last 10 games, five against Portland and three against Houston. And then that Sacramento. So just take, just take the postseason. He has one game of 20 plus fantasy points, one single game. And he's played 30 plus minutes in a few of them. He, it's just, it's not there. I, I get if you wanted to, 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 to take some shots, but for me, Greg, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a simpler process in that Rondo is 5,200. 
Jeff Green's cheaper at 4,600. Alex Caruso is uh, 4,000. So he's $800 cheaper. Danny Green's in kind of no man's land where if he was 2,500 or 3K, I think you and I would be having a very different conversation. But he's right in the middle of other guys who seemingly clearly aren't great players. But why, why pay up for him when you can get down to someone who probably has a better game in the same amount, if not more minutes, or just pay up a couple hundred more dollars for someone that has a markedly higher ceiling. It's pretty simple. Yeah, for sure. And uh, most importantly, I just want to make sure I teed you up to be able to crap on Danny Green a little bit. That was, that was definitely a priority for me. coming. That was, that was actually greatly appreciated. <laughs> I do. I, I appreciate the setup. Anything else for Houston to talk about PJ Tucker, uh, Again, how about how about let's let's close it out like this before we move to the Lakers. Westbrook, Gordon, Covington, Harden, Tucker, Green. Those are your six guys that are going to get minutes, barring foul trouble, barring an injury. Uh, maybe Rivers and, and Macklemore get some additional run based on one of those two factors. But outside of that, you've got these six guys. We've talked Westbrook and Harden uh, and Gordon. And we got to Jeff Green, who I think really right now in terms of value is one of your best value options on this single game slate. But how about Covington, who took uh, one of those monster Anthony Davis shoulders to the face? Actually, Anthony Davis's shoulder took Robert Covington's face. He took a face to the shoulder because it wasn't like it wasn't like Davis came in and just dropped it down on him. Uh, But those are some husky shoulders that he took to the to the nose. He is going to play, though, and we kind of know what Robert Covington is. He's a solid defender, not as much an on-ball defender, but more so somebody that's very good at breaking up passes, dis- uh, disrupting an offense in the half court, uh, and then can hit that hit a lot of spot-up threes. Is his price worth it today, though? Uh, I think he's kind of a fringe option. Uh, like, I-, I much prefer going more stars and scrubs than going up to Covington because he's he's the most expensive player on the slate outside of the four stars. Exactly, yeah. So at, at 7,400, I think you can roster him. Like, if you got to a spot where you have 7,800 or whatever it is left over for the last spot on your roster, I wouldn't be looking at it as like, oh, no, I have to rebuild because I don't want to build Covington. I, I-, I don't want to have Covington in my lineup. Um, I think he's fine to roster. He just wouldn't be a priority or a guy that I'm, I'm going out of my way to play. I, I agree with you on that. Um, he is kind of separated from the pack among some of these other guys, but he is also in a tier of his own and it's, it's tough to get up there. Like you said, if you come down to 7,400 and it's Covington or reworking your entire lineup, I have no problem going to Covington because could he come out and rip off a 40 fantasy point game? He can sure he's getting 40 minutes or he's going to probably get 40 minutes today. He's played 38-plus minutes in all but one of his last five. So that's important. The minutes are locked in. We know D'Antoni's going to go to him heavily. Uh, it's just he's not a, he's not going to create his own plays. He's not going to be used as a playmaker. You're basically relying on some spot-up opportunities, some rebounds, and hopefully some steals. Um, anything else here? I guess we could touch on P.J. Tucker and then move to the Lakers. Yeah, at 5,800, it's hard for me to prioritize Tucker. I mean, he has had some – Fairly big games in the postseason. He had a 42 DraftKings points game against the Lakers. But those are few and far between. He's one of the weaker permanent fantasy producers in the league of guys who play, you know, big minutes. Um, I don't think – he's kind of like two weird outlier games the last two. He had a 42 fantasy point game and then an eight fantasy point game. Realistically, he's probably going to produce someone with 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In there, right? He's probably going to be a guy in like the low 20s playing like 38 minutes per game. So I, it's hard for me to prioritize him. I, I don't think that he has really legitimate upside, even if he did have that one big game. He's a guy who generally plays a lot of minutes and doesn't do a whole lot with those with those minutes. Yeah. And then usually Tucker will have a rogue big game where nobody even considered playing him. That was two games ago. So yeah. my guess is I'm going to say we don't get another one of them until the 2021 season, Greg. Yeah, that's that's probably a good call. Actually, it's really funny. If you look at his game log from the regular season, it's like once a month he has a 35 fantasy point game. I know. And then it's, and then, and then it's sandwiched by like 17 and 14 point games. Yeah, it's crazy. You get it way too often where once in a while, if, you, if you're lucky enough to get that big Tucker game, it's like you hit the lottery and you should thank the basketball gods. Awesome top showdown plays. Um, sorry, single game and single game showdown plays for DraftKings and FanDuel are free uh, for the site today. NFL. NFL kicks off tonight between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston uh, Texans. It's going to be awesome. Cannot wait. It's finally back. Check them out. They're free at awesomeo.com, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. So are the NBA player projections for this single game slate and the MLB lineup builder. All of that free at awesomeo.com. If you haven't done so yet, set up a free account. Uh, check out what we have to offer and if you want to check out our subscriptions too, we've got something for everyone, uh, which is why I think, you know, it's the best place to get your information, to get your fantasy content, not just because of that, but because the number one ranked DFS player in the world is putting out his projections and his ownership and his top stack tools uh, and his boomer bust tools. All of the stuff that he's used to become that number one player is on the site for you to use and you to win money and just look at our testimonials. You'll see the results. They speak for themselves. I don't need to go on for an hour about it. You go to awesomeo.com slash join uh, and hit start membership. We actually ask you what type of player you are. Serious player, advanced hobbyist, professional player, season-long player, casual player. And with that, we'll try and cater the subscription to you. So you're not paying too little. You're not paying too much. You're not getting too little or too much. You're right where you need to be. Whether it's all sports, you want to get a platinum weekly, a platinum monthly, or go all out for the year. You want to do single game sports. You want to do the express weekly. Again, we have everything. And we're happy to answer your questions before you sign up. You can always DM me on Twitter at Lafayette underscore D. Um, you, can, you can hit us up at support.awesomeo. Whatever type of questions you have, we got you. We don't want you to dive in head first without feeling comfortable before you do so. But why not learn? Why not get your information, your stats, your ownership, your projections from the number one ranked DFS player in the world and some phenomenal analysts that put a ton of time every single day in to making sure we're giving you the best content possible from articles to the lineup builder to the fantasy cruncher add-on. You name it, we've got it all. And if DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, if these sites are running contests for a sport, we've got content for it, no doubt about it. And I believe it's the preeminent content in the daily fantasy sports industry. Go to awesomeo.com slash join and check that out but while you're at it keep your eyes out for some of the flash sales we've been doing the other day we did a two dollar weekly nfl platinum for two dollars 
Uh, we do a flash sale for like two hours and then it's gone. Keep your eyes out at the awesome underscore com handle as well. And hey, by the way, when you're at it, if you're not following Greg yet on Twitter at G Ehrenberg, be sure to do that. Follow myself at Lafay underscore D L-A-U-G-H-Y underscore D, especially with NFL season quickly approaching. It's finally here. And at 11 p or 11 a.m. today in just about an hour and a half, uh, I'll be going on with Matt Savoka to break down all of the matchups for the week one main slate the NFL season. All right, Greg, on to the Lakers here. We've got uh James or LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Let's just let's just go through this first and and talk about what we expect to see from them. It's been a three-game series thus far. Uh usage for both players has been LeBron James 31%, Anthony Davis 30.1%, DraftKings points per minute, LeBron James 1.37, Anthony Davis, 1.44. They are really in the same neighborhood pretty much everywhere when it comes to production and usage, except LeBron James is, is more expensive. And, well, I, I, I don't know if he's going to be more popular. Alex is running uh, showdown ownership projections right now. So while you talk, I'm going to check to see if we're updated. Uh, yeah, so the other thing, too, with uh, I did look at the initial ownership projections as you were, as you were talking there because I checked to see if they were up. It's pretty flat on the high end. Uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook all projected for about the same ownership. Harden actually comes in a little bit lower than all those guys. Anthony Davis, slightly the highest of, of, the, of the four. Uh, I think that if we're just looking at upside, LeBron James is the number one guy here. Uh, like you said, the fantasy production per minute for Anthony Davis has been really high. Still overall, though, it is LeBron who's had the most upside. And Davis has been really consistent, 56, 55, 55 fantasy points in the first three games of the series. LeBron James, 43 in the first game, in the last two games, 65 and 63. Uh, so I do think that LeBron has a little bit more upside than AD, especially just because this is the playoffs. And it's hard to really apply these kind of narratives to anything, except from the eye test, it does seem like LeBron's taken his game up a little level, a little bit of a level for, for this series. He seems to have a little bit more bounce in his step. He's appeared to be a little bit more explosive to me. And whatever we want to say about, quote, playoff LeBron, this, this appears to be that player. Yeah, I really like what I'm seeing from LeBron James. Whenever you're getting 38, 39 minutes from him, you can usually expect to see really quality production from him. And by the way, you mentioned this earlier in the show, James Harden. While neither of us are saying he can't be that guy again, he hasn't been the same guy in the postseason that he was in the regular season. Uh, even with Westbrook uh, back, like they played a lot of minutes together this season already. Uh, and sure, there's going to be more overlap, less staggering uh, between the two because it's the playoffs, but they're also going to play more minutes. So it's going to balance itself out. Uh, with that being, with that in mind, Greg, it just makes LeBron James a little bit more appealing because we'd probably be having a different conversation if Harden looked like he did in, in, in February or March, but he doesn't. No. And I think it's also, it, it's just, I think it has a lot to do with the playoffs and just the different ways it's officiated and the different ways it's played. Cause think about in the regular season, how often James Harden gets easy layups or is able to just drive to the basket and draw those kind of cheap type foul calls. Like that's, that's why NBA Twitter and why people online don't like James Harden because they don't like the amount of time that he spends at the free throw line. I think in the playoffs, he just doesn't have the lane open as much. He's not able to draw those same fouls that he's able to in the regular season. So he just has to resort to taking a lot more of his difficult step back threes and other difficult shots 
that he makes a lot of the times, except he just doesn't have those easy shots available to him that he gets in the regular season sometimes. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, free throw attempts per game in the postseason, 9.2. Just curious to see what it looks like compared to the regular season. 11.8 in the regular season. So pretty sizable difference for sure, uh, especially if he's not getting all of those fouls, uh, all of those calls that normally bring him to the charity stripe. So anything, do you want to hit on anything else with LeBron? Well, I'll ask you this. Let me rephrase this, make it a little bit easier. Among the top four guys, from LeBron to Harden to Davis and Westbrook, let's kind of come full circle here and, and put a bow on this one before we get to the value guys and wrap this show up. Uh, what are your final thoughts on the top four players? Because they're so far separated from everybody else in this game. It's not even close. Yeah, so I'll just say here's my ranking in terms of how I view their upside. It's LeBron one, Anthony Davis two, Russell Westbrook three, James Harden four. Now, that's not to say that I think that Russell Westbrook actually is a higher ceiling than James Harden. It's just I think it's comparable at this point, and there's a $2,400 difference in their price tag in the flex spot. All right. It's about time we talk about Rajon Rondo. People hate this guy, and, you know, he's ever since his Boston days, he's been terrible. He does nothing but hurt the team. Well, I'm here to say that Rajon Rondo did not hurt the Lakers in game two or game three. As a matter of fact, this man, everything he touched seemingly turned to gold in game three, Greg. Uh, excellent vision, great playmaking ability. His court IQ, I'm telling you, man, Rondo's court IQ, I, I know, again, that he's not the same guy that he was. He's not the same defender that he was, but his court IQ is so high, man. He just makes a lot of really smart plays when he's locked in, and he's been locked in. He shot eight for 11. He had nine assists. 39 DraftKings points in 30 minutes. He's now played 25, 29, and 30 minutes in three games since returning, which suggests that Frank Vogel is going to continue to ramp up his minutes and probably ramp down or, and uh, curtail Caruso's. I, you could project Rondo for 30 today, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he played a couple more. I, I'm giving him 31. Needless to say, though, Greg, he's been he's been really impressive, and he's. He has been an asset to this team, not a liability, and I stand by that over the last two games. Oh, for sure, over the last two games. It's, it's, not, it's not even a debate. And one thing that I think is funny is, remember game one, all you see on Twitter is what Rajan Rondo, I think he was like minus 20, his plus yep. minus for the game. Uh, I have not seen his plus minus be brought up at all the last two, the last two of games. Of course not. Of and course, no one ever gives the man credit when he's playing well. It's always just shitting on him when he's playing poorly. Which, by the way, I'm not a Rajan Rondo fan, but I will – gladly say he's played well the last couple games because he's played well. It's not, it's not hard to see. And the other thing too, if we look at it from a fantasy perspective, he's clearly crushing for fantasy also. And even when he isn't necessarily playing well in real life, he has kind of that Russell Westbrook type thing where he still scores fantasy points where he's out on the court, even Always. if he's not being productive. So, I mean, for the, for the year, he averages almost exactly a fantasy point per minute. So we look at his 5,200 price tag uh, in the flex on DraftKings. And if we're going to expect 30 to 32 minutes from him, which I have him at uh, 31 right now, then I'd expect right around 31 fantasy points and a 5,200 price tag. That's, that's good production. It's good value. So the question then becomes for me, who's the better value between Rajon Rondo and Jeff Green? And for me, it's Rajon Rondo. I think that he probably has a little bit more of a minute ceiling and Rondo's also a better permanent fantasy producer. Yeah. Well, also the fact that he's going to just have a lot more opportunities to produce fantasy points, right? More playmaking opportunities. 
that that goes a long way. If he's going to initiate the offense on many possessions and give you the opportunity, give you the chance to have five, six, he had nine assists last game, but even being, you know, a more conservative estimate here, five or six assists from Rondo, seven assists. It's not only uh, realistic, but it's a likelihood if he's going to play 30 plus minutes again. And plus think of this too, Greg, who else is Frank Vogel? Uh, who's what are Frank Vogel's alternatives if Rondo doesn't play? I mean, you look at the last game before Rondo returned, uh, that game five against Portland, J.R. Smith played seven minutes. Um, Quinn Cook and, and Jared Dudley played at the end of that game. That doesn't count. But Caruso played 25 minutes. There just, there aren't, and Danny Green played 32. There aren't a ton of, of, of guys you can have confidence in out there in, in Rondo's stead. So I don't know. I'm giving him 30, 31 minutes today. What do you have him at? Yeah, I just said I, I have him at 31 for now. The oh, other I thing thought I missed is, that. Um, don't worry. The other thing also is, don't forget, Deion Waiters is doubtful. He's dealing with an injured groin, so that's yeah. just a little bit less depth they have there. Uh, the other thing, too, with, with Rondo and why I think his minutes are fairly safe is look at the regular season when he really wasn't playing well, and he was taking a ton of heat on Twitter from Lakers fans about, like, why is Rondo playing minutes? He still got those minutes. It didn't matter how poorly he played. Frank Vogel kept running him out there. And we saw even in the one playoff game where he didn't play well in game one of the series, Vogel played him 25 minutes. And that was his first game playing since March. So it, it, it doesn't matter. Even if he's playing poorly, Vogel's going to have him out there. And that's really what I care most about for fantasy. No question, man. Anybody else here on the Lakers that, that you feel the need to touch on? I did mention that we had six, uh, six Rockets that were getting essentially all of the minutes last game, a little bit different for her, a little bit different for the Lakers. Markeith Morris got 23 off the bench. Caruso got 25 off the bench. Kyle Kuzma got almost 25. Rondo got 30. Uh, to be fair though, McGee started the first half, played seven minutes, did not start or see the floor in the second half. I expect Markeith Morris to get around 25 minutes again today. Um, the, the Vogel outside of Davis and outside of uh, LeBron, he is a lot less willing to just run a ton of guys for more minutes here. For example, Danny Green, 22 minutes. Caldwell Pope played fewer than 30 minutes. Only, what, three players got 30-plus minutes in that last game that they won. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking through the ownership projections right now, and something else about the when we talked about Jeff Green versus Rajon Rondo before, they're projected for the exact same ownership. They're both projected for 39%. So it's it's really a matter of just which guy you like better. And for me, it's Rondo. Uh, moving down, Markeith Morris does project to be pretty popular today, which I think makes sense just because he's cheap and getting minutes. And we need value to be able to fit in the stars. So I see why people go to Markeith Morris. Uh, he did have one good game in this series. I tend to think that he isn't really that much of an upside guy because he doesn't do much other than make shots and rebound. He doesn't provide assists. He doesn't provide peripheral stats. So if he's not making his threes, he's probably going to bust. Uh, I'm looking through some of the just guys who aren't projected for any ownership and trying to figure out which one of them might have upside. I think that would be Kyle Kuzma. If you wanted to find one guy who's like 10% projected ownership in a showdown contest, which is really hard to find, right? It's a one game slate. It's hard to find contrarian plays. Kuzma is the one guy I would look at with low projected ownership that has somewhat of a chance to have a big fantasy game because he is a guy who we've seen be able to score in spurts. I do think Markeith Morris, though, at this price is is viable. Here's the reason. Here's the reason. Now, first of all, you're right. There's a very 
good possibility that Markeith Morris busts. At the same time, in a showdown slate, a player busting might be less extreme than it would be in a regular season game where you've got a, a regular season slate where you've got a bunch of games. What I mean by this is if Marquise Morris only goes for, let's say he plays 25 minutes and gives you 17 DraftKings points at that price, I really don't think he's going to kill you there. So given the threshold of like, where am I unwilling to roster guys at what price? I know you mentioned Macklemore, but I'm going to throw him out of the equation for a moment. Once you get below Marquise Morris, there isn't anybody down there. Like Markeith Morris is at that bottom of the barrel where I'd be willing to say, hey, he might play 25 minutes. He could get out there for a significant amount of run. Last game, Frank Vogel started him in the second half. And upon doing so, he ended up, um, they ended up pulling away with that game late in it. And Markeith Morris played uh, a, a good amount of minutes in the second half. I think he played 15 minutes in the second half. So, uh, I think at 3,200, he's perfectly fine. Do you have anything yeah, and, else for the? Uh, uh, just, go ahead, go ahead. Just to agree. I mean, I agree that he. I agree that he's viable. Uh, I mean, it's it's just it's a one game slate, and everybody's kind of viable to an extent. Right. Uh, but it's it's really just it's just a price play because of the guys we want to pay up for on the slate. Um, but yeah, it's also I'm not going out of my way to jam Markeith Morris into lineups. I'm fine with rostering him though. Yeah, absolutely. So I just threw a lineup together. Just I wasn't even looking at ownership just to see what you can come up with, right? Uh, James Harden, captain, LeBron James, Markeith Morris, Rajon Rondo, Jeff Green, and Kyle Kuzma. I think that build, something to that extent, is really going to be as, as popular as it gets, right? Uh, Green, Rondo, they're going to be getting a, a, a ton of ownership here. Markeith Morris, above 30%. Like, that that's probably going to be one of the most popular builds you find, which, which does, which, which leads me to this though, Kyle Kuzma, not getting a lot of ownership right now. It's very surprising that he's at 11.9%, but did you see Ben McLemore's projected ownership? Yeah. 27%. 27%. So uh, not going overlooked. Maybe you're on to something there. Uh, Danny green, 15% on, on a slate like this, as much as I hate rostering Danny Green, I would be more willing to to give to, to pay him some attention, just because nobody's paying him any attention. While they, you know, in turn go to somebody like Jeff Green, who I like a lot more. But Jeff Green is not—it's not a foolproof plan throwing Jeff Green out there either. So, um, what do you think the best ways to diversify on this slate are, Greg? We'll close with this. Yeah, I mean, the only way that I, because one thing about being contrarian, and it, I'll get people will tweet me stuff if I recommend a play as chalk, you'd be like, well, he's going to be chalk. It's like, yeah, but there's good and bad chalk. And you have to figure out, like, how could you diversify yourself where there's legitimate upside and it actually makes sense? So the guy I mentioned before who's projected for low ownership is Kyle Kuzma. Do I think it's likely that Kyle Kuzma has a big game? No, not really, but projected for 12% ownership on a one game slate. And I understand that Kyle Kuzma, there's a ton of negative bias against Kyle Kuzma, right? Like who likes Kyle Kuzma? But who's who's still a Kyle Kuzma fan at this point? Maybe like some very weird hardcore Lakers fans still His believe parents? in Kuzma. I no, not anymore. They they they, <laughs> they they saw him they saw him shoot some of those corner threes off the side of the backboard and they <laughs> and they traded in their Kyle Kuzma jerseys for for like J.R. Smith jerseys or something. They're like, hey, J.R. Smith should get Kuzma's man. Um but I mean, you look at Kyle Kuzma at 5,400. He's a guy we have seen play well in the past. 
and is a guy who LeBron James is on record saying that if we're going to make a championship run, Kyle Kuzma has to be our third best player. Now, I don't know if he still believes that, but it is something that he has said in the past. And I do think there's a point in time where they're going to rely on Kyle Kuzma to make shots and play minutes for them. Uh, they haven't really had to do that yet so far in the playoffs, except he's a guy who we have seen occasionally eat up decent usage off the bench. And if he scores, the Lakers are going to leave him in the game and they're going to ride with him down the stretch. So I think that if we're looking for just one guy who's of the really low ownership guys, Kuzma is the one that stands out as being the one guy who actually has significant upside. Like I'd rather go to him than like Danny Green, say. Right. So would I, but I don't think it's insane and, and, and bear with me here. I don't think it's an insane idea to have lineups with Kuzma and green in it. And, and the reason I say that is, is very simple. Jeff green could not have a good game. Marquise Morris also very popular could have a very bad game. It's not like the, it's not that unlikely that Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green outscore Markeith Morris and Jeff Green. And the ownership, the, the, the difference in ownership is going to be massive. So like where Green is 15% and Kuzma is 12%, Markeith Morris is 35% and Jeff Green's 39%. Is it that crazy to think that that 2v2 goes the opposite direction and Kuzma and Danny Green are better? I can assure you it's more than 10 or 20% of the time. So uh, I, I don't think it's the craziest idea to try and get different with a couple of those and then just run out all of the expensive and, and popular guys after that, like a Harden and James or a Davis and a Rondo. So, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting showdown slate, Greg. There's no doubt about that. I think we did a pretty good job of covering it here this morning. I think we did what we could. We, we definitely filled as much time as we could on a one-game slate. Uh, one closing thought to think about it is, one, it is pretty hard to really differentiate yourself on a one-game showdown slate, but the one easy way to have a unique lineup, or at least a lineup that isn't going to be duplicated 500 times, like you said before, leave salary on the table. That's that's the easiest way to just make a lineup that a million other people don't have is you leave $1,200 salary on the table. It's not a big deal for a one-game showdown slate, but a lot of people seem to think it's a big deal and just won't do that very often. But you could roster a lot of the really chalky guys like Jeff Green, Rajon Rondo, and if you're leaving a bunch of salary on the table, it's probably going to be a somewhat unique lineup. Good stuff as always, man. Thanks for hanging out uh, with us, everybody. We will see you back here soon. Smash that like button before you head out. Coming up next, 10 a.m. Eastern time, it's going to be the MLB Strategy Show. On the books, you've got Josh Ingleman, Adam Scher, breaking it all down. I'll be back with you at 11 a.m. for the NFL DFS Strategy Show. Very excited about that. Doing my first show with Matt Savoca, very, very talented, skillful NFL analyst. Joining me to talk about his matchups column. We'll go game by game. We'll bang this out. It's opening night for NFL. Stick with us throughout the day. YouTube.com slash awesome. We'll see you back here soon. <laughs>